Hi, I'm Gordon Lamphere with The Real Finds Podcast, the podcast series where we have in-depth discussions with key entrepreneurs, scientists, and activists who are shaping real estate, and as a result, our world. On today's podcast, we have a long discussion with Sarah Maffey. On the podcast, we discuss the speed of property technology adoption, the value add of a highly localized data set, placemaking, and the siloed nature of our current property technology data, and a path towards a more data-driven society. It's well worth a listen. Sarah, great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Gordon. So I just wanted to start off. Um, can you introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners? Sure. So I'm Sarah Maffey. I'm the head of corporate strategy at Local Logic. And I got started sort of in the built world uh, by studying architecture and urban design at NYU. And uh, worked in construction management on labs in New York City for a while. Got my MBA from Yale. Um, then went into economic development because it happened to be the time right after the market crashed in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> Great timing uh, to Great be making timing. that transition from construction into real estate. And, uh, you know, learned the public side of it, eventually made my way to commercial real estate at Cushman doing site selection. And um, then found my way to Transwestern where I was doing just a variety of different uh, consulting services. And that's where I was actually pitched local logic. And uh, just kind of nerded out on our solutions and data. And, you know, two plus years later, here I am today. Well, there's nothing wrong with nerding out, particularly around real estate on this podcast. So, uh, the right place. <laughs> so, how was it uh, kind of working at a, at a firm in, comparing, in comparison to the entrepreneurial life? Because I think they are distinctly different. And, mm -hmm. um, there are very few people in the real estate game that have done both. So I was curious if you could kind of touch on that. Yeah, I think, and, you know, I think it's almost a shame for both sides not to have done both. You know, I think it's been incredibly valuable that I was able to work with so many different brokers and in different markets around the country in the work that I'm doing today. It's just like, I use my experience every day. Um, I think that, you know, working at a startup, you have the opportunity to move really quickly and to try new things. And it's really built into the culture of how you're trying to solve for things and, and discover new solutions. So um, probably probably some lessons learned on both sides, but I think that that's probably the main difference, just the speed of activity. So let's talk about the speed of activity. Everyone in real estate who's been watching in comparison to other industries has seen that the speed of development in terms of prop tech is significantly less in real estate than I would say a broad range of other, you know, real estate adjacent professions, be it mm. manufacturing, hospitality, healthcare, you can go down the list. Um, and I'm not going to beat a dead horse and keep hitting real estate for that, but I'm curious from the prop tech side, why you think that might be? Because I know that we've had a lot of folks on uh, that have their own hypotheses, but as somebody who uniquely is placed kind of at the junction of the two, I'm curious what you think, Sarah. Well, you know, I think it's um, that a lot of folks have been successful for a long time doing what they've been doing. And, you know, it. I think in moments of uncertainty, um, there is an opportunity to start thinking about maybe using more data or more tech 
to remove some of the uncertainty, but I think it's also where prop tech is, you know, it's a relatively nascent uh, world. And I think that it's going to kind of, you'll see more adoption as prop tech becomes more mature, you know, and finds product market fit more and more. So I think it's just um, kind of two industries on their own sort of path of learning about each other and finding the right fit. So going to to market fit, right? Mm -hmm. We're not just talking theoretically. You Mm -hmm. have a product that you're working with. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. So local logic is using data to quantify everything outside the four walls of an asset. And we're really asset class agnostic, although we've really chosen to focus on uh, more residential type use cases like multifamily and SFR and short-term rental. Um, just because we got started originally, our original suite of products um, has really incredible and growing market share on the residential sort of home search side of things. And so I'm curious from our perspective, because there's certainly a lot of data that comes out in the real estate world, particularly from uh, residential data, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and residential has been overwhelmingly quick to adopt in comparison to commercial a lot of uh, property technology as well as data-driven metrics. And so I'm curious, um, what are the leading metrics you're seeing that are driving traffic in the prop tech world for commercial users? You know, I think that what we've discovered is on the residential side, we have our proprietary location scores, which are really um proprietary algorithms of many different data sets in some cases that kind of roll up to things like walkability or schools or parks or things like that. Um, On the commercial real estate side, I think what we're discovering is as we build models to predict various, you know, performance metrics, for example, it's sometimes the underlying data that's really driving that performance. And so, as you might imagine, market to market, asset class to asset class, you know, everyone has their own specific investment thesis that they're looking yeah. for. So I think the key thing is like our ability to be flexible and customizable and have so many different data points that we can kind of meet the needs of a variety of different investment theses. But um, I think where we also add value is understanding the value of all of those different data points. And we can make suggestions around where to begin, because I think sometimes, as you kind of mentioned earlier, because we're earlier on in the adoption um, curve of using data and technology, sometimes it can be overwhelming to have so many options, you know, um, especially when it comes to location characteristics. Everybody has their sort of boots on the ground things that they're looking for, but how do you translate that into data? And I think that's something that because we've done so much modeling on real world portfolios and and use cases, we can really help our clients understand where to begin with that. I'd definitely like to dive a little deeper into that because I -hmm. I think for anybody who hasn't worked with data before and um, you know, I'll, I'll date myself as somebody who I remember the first time I, I started using computer code, it was C plus plus. Right. So um, there's definitely been transformations, um, in the uh, coding world. And one of the biggest things I think that folks who aren't used to at least modern uh, data analytics is the volume that you're working with of data. Um, 
if you don't know what you're looking for or you don't have a good um, data scientist that's ac accurately and efficiently putting it together, mm -hmm. it's like bailing the ocean with a bucket, right? Um, so, <laughs> so I'm curious, what are the the leading metrics that you're that you're driving? And I know you can't dive too into proprietary um, metrics, and and certainly I, I'm curious, you know, to throw something out asset class specific. But like, mm -hmm. for example, a retail user, um, mm -hmm. what are the leading metrics that you think drive you know one's location, location, location? Yeah, you know, we haven't specifically focused on retail yet, but I think that retail um, is looking at, you know, essentially the size and income level of the market that they could potentially serve from a location. And another use case that we've seen um, when we have looked at retail is also just being able to do a void analysis of where are your competitors and also where might you co-locate with other brands or types of retail that often will help you uh, drive traffic to whatever that retail location is. So, you know, there's certain synergies that happen and having access to all the data on rooftops and other retail, you know, that surrounds this given location is super valuable. And it's interesting because um, retail really plays into site selection for multifamily and even SFR or build to rent communities because we hear all the time, you know, people are chasing the Whole Foods or the Trader Joe's. Um, they want to have those kind of amenities near the housing that they're building because that's going to drive the desirability of, of leasing those spaces to families and, and renters. So, um, you know, it's interesting because it is really specific. Like sometimes walkability could be great. Sometimes um, you're actually looking for more of a car friendly location. Depending on the unit mix, you might want to be uh, near schools, you know, and so all of that kind of drives not only what you're building, but it can also drive um, where sort of like a go, no go decision making process. Um, and so what we've done is like, we do have um, essentially prepackaged data for specific asset classes, that's really like a way to suggest where to begin. So you know, for um, for short term rental, you might want to be in a really vibrant area that's walkable, you know, but depending on how long you're imagining that average stay is going to be, you might also want to throw in um, being near grocery stores or convenience stores. Restaurants are usually important to that, uh, cultural things to do nearby. And again, like it, it just depends on individual investment thesis. It could be, you know, being near a, a commercial hub where people are going to be going to have meetings or going to events and things like that. So, um, we could we could just get into the weeds on. I mean, we could get into the weeds on it. Like I'm a data driven guy. All right. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I I came into a, a business that uh, was a phenomenal boutique brokerage business, but was using early two mm thousands -hmm. technology in the late two thousand tens, and we really revolutionized not only our uh, brokerage business but also our landlord leasing business by mm -hmm. technological adoption. So. I'm fine getting into the weeds. That, yeah. That's all right with me. Um, and, and isn't it cool, like when you're putting together like a survey, you know, for, for a tenant, like I, I always found it to be a little challenging to just kind of qualitatively describe the area to a tenant that was coming to look at this market from out of town. They have no like sense of context. And I, and that's why like, it's, 
it's like we're just getting started with use cases of this kind of data because if you think about like finding the cultural fit, the right neighborhood, the right corner in a neighborhood or submarket for that tenant, like where will they really be able to fit the best, have everyone come in, you know, there's just so many different aspects to it and location can get super granular. And I think a lot of times, you know, you probably know this too, like a lot of the data is available at just not the right level of granularity. You're looking at things at such a sort of aggregated census block or, you know, submarket or zip code. And it, it can be really hard to um, drill down and, and make the kinds of suggestions that clients really are looking for. Look, in the Chicago market, I always joke, a few blocks can be the difference yeah. in walkability uh, from walkable to totally not walkable at all, mm -hmm. right? In any, in any world, you have absolutely granular uh, chasms that divide people, be it uh, transportation metrics, be it um, metrics of um, uh, you know, technological adoption, be it, you know, maybe the block isn't electrified to the level that it needs to be electrified. And that can be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of an issue. Well, and um, Chicago is interesting too, because you have a river that's cutting, cutting <laughs> through things. And like, if you're just, you know, using uh, certain tools that are really looking at distance measurements and not actual accessibility and walkability, you know, without knowing that area and using um, the right data tools, it can be it can be tough. So I love that that market example. Okay, as as the crow flies, walkability crow flies. is very different in June as it is in February. Yes, so, so true. <laughs> yeah. So kind of tackling that, I'm curious in particular, um, what has been your most unique granular example? of a way that you've helped uh, an organization kind of find and locate? Because I, I always find it as a challenge sometimes. Mm -hmm. And this is this is not you pitching to me, this is you pitching to my 55, 65 year old investor who, mm -hmm. who, who wants to use PropTech. What's that best example case that you think you can throw at this? I, to me, and again, I just, I feel nerdy when I get into this, but nerd out. Um, I love it when you're dealing with a client who has a portfolio of prior decisions that they've made, right? They've decided to invest in, in these properties at some point for some reason. And a lot of times what I found is that people don't necessarily go back and like reconsider that decision-making process. Once it's done, you know, you're rolling with it and, and, you know, obviously for a certain whole period, but um, I think that there's so much information that can be uh, gleaned when you start to look at the performance of all those assets and then layer in all of these other data points, granular data points on location characteristics, and then patterns start to emerge that you can use really powerfully to make future investment decisions. And so for me, like that's, that's what gets me really excited about it, that you could like actually learn from other past decisions that this client has made to make better decisions in the future, you know, and maybe there's outliers that come from that kind of analysis where you're like, oh, I should probably divest from this asset like yesterday. And I, I didn't even realize it because it was kind of, you know, um, just blending in to the, the general portfolio there. Look, that's certainly an element of, um, of investing, which is 
one of the greatest challenges of the human mind, right? It's the uh, the uh, logical fallacy of of uh, sunk losses, right? And yeah. so um, I think without data, it's almost impossible to ever realize that maybe you are past that point of uh, no return and it's time to bail. So I'm always a fan of uh, metrics that help us improve our human processing, right? Um, and so on that note, improving our human processing, well, I'm curious, and, and this is um, probably what I'm the most interested in on the podcast is if you had a, a quick statement or quick DCs on, you have your investor who's, uh, let, let's say they're, they're a late stage technological adopter for PropTech, mm -hmm. and you have to make a pitch because look, there's a lot of brokers and a lot of investors that do listen and follow our content, but mm -hmm. uh, some of them aren't as technologically advanced. What's your pitch? Why is property technology worth investing in rather than a marketing campaign or um, mm -hmm. going out and, and uh, you know, getting another email list? Why is property technology the future? Well, I can't pitch all prop tech. Um, I think that, and I think that, you know, if you are a later stage adapter, then I think it's important to know, like, find the thing that's going to help you move the needle for your business. And, um, you know, in the case of local logic, I think that the way that we're improving uh, the performance of financial modeling is really where we add value. And so if you want to be able to more accurately help your clients understand, you know, rent prediction or cap rates or, you know, any host of performance metrics, the data can help you do that. And it can actually just augment what you're already doing. Um, so I can't speak for everything, but I know that we have like a real value add in, in processes that are already, you're probably already doing in Excel and we can fit right into that. So on that, um, and um, I, I'm curious, you mentioned Excel. Mm -hmm. Are there other I'm platforms? Speaking to the, the late stage adopters. <laughs> I, okay, okay. But beyond Excel, mm -hmm. right? Are there other um, software platforms that would be standard data analytics platforms that uh, you guys integrate with? Or um, are you relatively um, unique? Are you using, you know, Easy SQL. How 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 does it work? Yeah, I mean, I think we really try to meet people where they are. So you know, whether your company has decided to um, use Power BI or you're just using Desktop Excel, or you know, you your company has created a an internal platform that knows how to integrate APIs. We we can provide you with a. Um, bulk delivery in CSV, you can do whatever you want with it. Uh, we can also, you know, tie in and, and have whatever your platform looks like automatically ping our APIs. It really just depends on where you are. We try, we try to be um, really flexible with how we deliver our solutions. So, so that the other question that I always like to ask with PropTech mm -hmm. in particular is we live in a world where property technology has been very much adopted by kind of the, the high end of the real estate venture capital and mm -hmm. uh, private equity world. And um, for your average adop adopter, you might say, you know, maybe it's, it's not in the cards, right? Maybe it's not a fully democratized platform that suits to everyone. Mm -hmm. um, 
do you think that adoption of, of highly uh, data-driven technology like yours mm -hmm. is in the cards for every investor, or do you think we're going to see a stratification uh, in terms of property technology? Um, I know this is like a huge yeah. question, right? No, I don't, I don't think it should be. I think that um, you, you might be seeing that because more institutional investors um, are coming from more of like a financial background where it's like they understand the value of data and modeling and data science um, and they have that capacity in-house um, but we i don't think you have to do that even today with our solutions like um pretty easy to run regressions or to ask us for our suggestions and use our prepackaged data to get started immediately with um, making those kinds of decisions. Um, we have an alpha of a platform that's like literally anybody could use it. Um, pretty cool. And so I, I don't think so. I think we're actually going to see, you know, just more and more adoption of using data because with the right solutions, you don't have to be um, a large institutional player to be able to access those kinds of insights. Because ultimately, um, <laughs> I know the whole money ball for real estate idea. I mean, it, anybody can do that, you know, um, but we, we've got a variety of different ways of interacting with people and making it easy to access our, our insights. So I'm, I'm kind of in, in doubling back to Moneyball, right? Because uh, that's, look, Moneyball's great film. Yeah. Brad Pitt's terrific. So is, uh, so is Jonah. Um, and in terms of going through and understanding how someone truly does game real estate in that way. Mm -hmm. Do you have any um, particular examples of folks, and, and you don't have to name names or even metro areas, but any examples where you think folks have used your platform to really, you know, moneyballize um, the commercial real estate world? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, the examples I'm thinking of aren't in a specific market. They're they're really like um, larger sort of like national scale um, or international scale portfolios. But um, I think it's the idea of using the data you have internally with and marrying it with outside data and understanding actionable insights from that. So a lot of times there's just like that disconnect. Um, and I think that firms don't even understand how much data they have internally to help make decisions. And so maybe that's like the starting place and then adding our data on top of it can really help. Well, Sarah, I, we're, we're getting to that time. Okay. And I, I know you have a, uh, I know how you have a, uh, a lot to say, but uh, I, I have a showing to get to, and we both have tough schedules. So I'm going to break into our final four. All right, let's do and it. Uh, and look, uh, I'm not much of a hooper, at least anymore. I certainly can't dunk. Uh, but uh, our final four is usually a great way to get to know people. Okay. So um, what I'd like to start off with is one of my favorite questions of our final four. And I think you're particularly uh, adept at potential, potentially talking about this topic, which is mm -hmm. where do you see the future of prop tech going? Because... It's a, and I know it's a big world and it could be a long question, mm -hmm. but um, uh, if you could address where you see PropTech is headed. Oh, wow. I could answer that in 
so many different ways. Um, I, I think that, you know, there's going to be more and more crossover from people who have real commercial real estate experience um, moving into prop tech. And as you said, prop tech really did start on the resi side. I think we're starting to see more solutions come out that are beyond just sort of like operational efficiency and risk management type things and, and um, rental platforms. We're starting to get into so many more um, parts of the day-to-day -day of commercial real estate and that we can solve with tech. The, the biggest thing for me, I guess there's two sort of pieces to this. Um, and yeah, I, I guess I could talk about this for a while, but yeah, that's uh, fine. You know, you can ramble on. That's that's fine. Yeah. Um, one is really kind of where I was going, where like commercial real estate will hopefully get more of a handle, and maybe prop tech helps with this, uh, more of a handle on their internal data and starting to use it across different silos within the the organization, you know, like acquisitions being separate from asset management. There's so many lessons to be learned, uh, valuations. There's just like all these different teams that could be sharing data internally and then matching that with other data solutions. And I think that there are going to be more and more accessible ways of doing that. And it's going to become more, um, more prevalent. And so I guess when I think about the future of prop tech, I also think of the future of commercial real estate because they're really intertwined in that way. Um, and then I think the second piece of it is there's so much um, conversation right now around ultimately what boils down to like the human experience and um, in spaces, whether that's the workplace or housing. And I think that that's another place where um, PropTech will continue to add value and potentially allow us to have assets that are, you know, um, really more healthy and environmentally um, friendly and, and all of those things that when we start to use technology to actually solve for those needs, it's, it's just going to be um, an exciting place to be, literally. I mean, it's certainly an exciting place to be these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially going and, and looking at data. I wanted to follow up really quickly. Um, in particular, as we start to see more data, and I think data is going to drive the future. Mm -hmm. um, what I've seen, at least in, in the real estate world, is individuals are being increasingly hesitant to share data. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so um, in terms of that, certainly there are other ways to get data, like cell phone data and all sorts of uh, more publicly available data. Mm -hmm. But do you think we're going to get into a world potentially and and you would be better suited than anyone we've yet had on the podcast to address this of potentially more siloed data um, and folks using data within their own silo? Or do you foresee a more um, open data future in terms of real estate sharing? Well, since you work in commercial real estate, you know how, I mean, I think like so much of the value prop um, is having that yeah. you know, close to the, close to the chest. Um, and so I, I can't, it, it is hard for me to imagine a more uh, open sharing uh, like of market data and things like that. But um, my hope is that things break down within firms that, you know, even from my own experience, seeing sort of like the silos that can exist within um, large firms, if you start to share data across, even just internally, I think we could see a really huge shift. 
Okay, uh, very very interesting. Um, I I would certainly hope that we start to see more sharing of data. Um, but as anybody knows, there's those co-star reps that call you up trying to get comps, and it's 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 hard it's hard to get uh, any broad comps on on the market. Uh, I yeah, I don't know. Your guess is really that's like real crystal ball territory. <laughs> <laughs> so. Instead of taking the crystal ball, mm -hmm. let's go back in time. Let's okay. let's take the history book. Okay. And this is this is a favorite of mine. So Sarah, if you had to talk to young Sarah, let's say high school, college, mm -hmm. where would you see the future um, going uh, for you? And um, what would be the advice you would give to that young Sarah? Um, well, I have done so many different aspects of the built environment and um, I think early on, I felt like I had to choose, you know, one route in this larger industry. And I think I've actually really benefited from sort of finding my way through it. And not to age myself, but young Sarah didn't, prop tech really didn't exist to go into. I mean, <laughs> the AutoCAD that I was trained on is um, really different from what we're doing today, you know, so um the world is changing. And as, as we've talked about throughout this conversation, this industry is really changing. And so, you know, the solutions that are available, the kinds of jobs that are available today are going to continue to evolve and, um, you know, just stay curious. Hey, staying curious is, is a great thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that leads us into our third question that we always ask in the final four. And so I'm particularly curious, uh, what's your favorite real estate or business book? Because look, I'm a voracious reader. Mm -hmm. I, I love to read, particularly I'd say business and nerdy real estate content. Okay. So um, what, what's your book or even a, a couple books that you would recommend to our readers and our listeners? Well, um, you know, I think this kind of ties in with some of the open data breaking down of silos that we talked about, but um, I... So one of my old professors at Yale wrote a book called Coopetition. Um, it's okay. by Neil Buff. And I reference this book to, to myself in conversation all the time because I just think the idea of coopetition, especially in this industry, is really, really important. And um, from a real estate perspective, if you haven't run across uh, or your your listeners haven't run across George Pollig, his book Rethinking Cities is another one of my favorites. I just think um, in general, the content that he puts out is really future thinking about real estate, and, and I get a lot out of it. Look, I I, I, I think there's a, a phenomenal movement going on, particularly in the new urbanism movement, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I would be fascinated. I haven't read that one, but mm -hmm. I'd be fascinated to pick it up at least uh, maybe over spring break uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and get a, a nice little read. So... Um, the last question we're going to ask you is the most important question. So this is, I, I, I won't let you dodge this one. I, I know you tried to dodge a couple, but I won't let you dodge this one. So Never. It's, it's, it's simply the whole reason why we created the podcast, which is to find important voices, particularly voices that aren't necessarily getting recognition within the industry, and then learn a little bit more about them and maybe the future of the industry. So um, who would you recommend, Sarah, to hop on the podcast next? Um, I'm going to recommend Cal Inman from Climate Check because okay. I think that, um, especially in commercial real estate, 
there's going to be increased focus on reporting about climate risk and um, we partner with them. And I think Cal is just a, a great guy to talk to about understanding how that can play into all of the different aspects that we've talked about on the, on the conversation today. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm very interested to have a conversation about climate, particularly uh, as the world gets more climate conscious or even just more economically conscious in terms mm -hmm. of energy usage. Um, that's certainly a, a great topic to have. Um, Sarah, the, the second most important question that we can have on the podcast is to go and reach out and, and uh, if our listeners or our uh, anybody who's viewing the podcast today wants to go out and reach you yeah. and find a little bit more about uh, what you do, what's the best point of contact? Um, I encourage people to follow me on LinkedIn. So just Sarah Maffey, um, pretty easy to find, but <laughs> that's probably the best way. And I am pretty responsive. Um, if you send me a message on LinkedIn. Um, so I'd start there. Yeah. Sarah, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today and we have to have you on in the future and drill a little bit more into the data. Yeah. You can just let me know and I can, uh, I can be prepared with all the, all the breakdowns, but thank you so much for having me, Gordon. It was great. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. All right, bye. Thanks again to Sarah. We appreciate her insights. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like, a five-star rating, or review. Your comments, interactions, and subscriptions truly matter and help us continue to provide quality guests. You can follow us on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Gordon Lamphere with The Real Finds Podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>